Hi, I'm Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. Oh, Jesus, there's victory. All the chains that were holding me Kept me locked in captivity Have been broken by grace so free When he poured out his cleansing blood Motivated by his great love Give me faith I need to rise above Sing a song of how I've overcome I've got victory over sin Bringing peace to the fight within Give me strength, I need to start again I've got victory over sin He gives me victory over sin Bringing peace to the fight within Give me strength, I need to Good start Good Saturday again. afternoon to you, Treasure Valley. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. First part of the show, what we attempt to do is to share with you our mission, our goal, and who funds us. We are funded by St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho. We are one of their advocacy arm, if you will, in terms of educating you, the Idahoan, and the person who's coming out of prison about how to survive on parole. We do that in a couple different ways. One of them is this radio show. And in this radio show, we've been doing this for almost to three years. So if you go back on the archives of KBXL, you can see all the shows that we've taped before. And you'll see a great number of people, state senators, some national figures, uh, all sorts of people who have an influence on those of us who have been incarcerated. We have some great stories in there about people who walked out the first day and came to the studio and people who have failed, successful. I think we have four different department heads of uh, the Idaho Department of Corrections, and all of them have been on. So we've got an interesting way, some state senators, people who are friends. It's a good body of work, if you will, if you want to find out something about the Department of Corrections here in the state of Idaho. So take a look at that. In addition to that, what we also do for that advocacy arm is to have a PowerPoint presentation that we will come and share with your church, with your business, with your social group, with whoever you would really like for us to share that with. It's about a 20-minute presentation. The great thing about this presentation is that it is led by a returning citizen, somebody who has been incarcerated, who has been there. They present facts and figures and a few scenarios of people in a hypothetical situation that have been incarcerated and what's happened to them. That's meant to educate you about the Idahoan who probably doesn't know how much it costs to incarcerate somebody, what the emotional cost is for a family, for somebody that's incarcerated, for one of those nasty things called indeterminate time that we have here in the state of Idaho. So that's meant to spark questions and go forward. We're happy to do that. Towards the end of the show, I will let you know how to get in touch with me and potentially our guests that you will be on in just a second, and I will connect you up with all of that. We'll be letting you know that at the end of the show. There's been some interesting things coming about the last couple of weeks. One I'm going to highlight is the fact that we went to a resource fair at Idaho State Correctional Institution this week, what we call the Yard. It's one of the larger facilities located south of Boise, and it was a resource fair held in the, the Education Department. And this is, I think, our third year we've been going out there. And I want to tell you, I want to thank the people who came up to me, bunches of you came up to me, more than a few, as I say, and said so they really enjoyed the show, and they were very positive. They love the work that we do and uh, what we do for people who have been incarcerated. A special thanks to all those people who said that to me. But more importantly, 
guys, I think this is real important. I've been out of prison for eight years now, started an agency that helps people and supports people as they get out of incarceration. And many of you know that that's the place we want you to go when you're right out of incarceration. Come to my office. Everybody on my staff has been incarcerated. You're going to see people who will genuinely support you, help you with resources, then link you to other resources also. So it's been really powerful. Uh, the other thing that's coming up for us, and you're going to hear about in my social media, is our Cookies for Max program. We do that every year. People in the maximum security prison out south of town, which number about 500, are locked down 23 hours a day, seven days a week. Many of you who know my story know that I was there for five years. And what we do for them every year is to bring in cookies. And they now need to be store-bought cookies. But last year, we brought them 42,000 cookies. So we're trying to top that number this year. If you look on our media sites, our social media sites, you'll see that. All you really need to do is to send us a check. We'll go out and buy the cookies for you. Or you can bring them by my office and cookies that you got in someplace, and we'll pack them up when we take them all out there. The great thing about this, and then what happens is, after we take them out there, the librarians, of which I used to be one, uh, divide them up into bags, and then the religious volunteers go out and hand them door to door, tier to tier. That's a very powerful experience. You want to be a part of any of that, please let me know. I'll let you know at the end of the uh, show just how to get in touch with me. And then one more thing, and then we'll get to our guest who I'm excited about, is that our Offender Resource Guide will now be going back into a publication. We're going to do a brand new one for 2020. We hope for it to be out in mid-January. So if you've seen my resource guide, that is everywhere in the prisons and the parole offices everywhere. We're going to update that, add some people to it. we got a lot of people out at the resource center that want to be involved, so there'll be some new, new, new people in there and new resources. So give us a second and we'll be back. I'm excited. You're going to enjoy my next guest. Hang on one second. The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's one in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call returning citizens resources and coffee shop we offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith their recovery and to begin their new life as our neighbor it's designed for the offenders first stop from the institution if you'd like to help us help them please contact mark rennick at 629-8861 that's area code 208-629-8861 and if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition we pay for that call okay many of you know that uh, i've talked on this show about an organization called just leadership usa of which Mm -hmm. i am an honored fellow of 2018 and i am so happy to introduce jessica zarling who is a just leadership fellow from 2019 jessica welcome to the show hi mark thank you so much for having me now in fairness you and i have never met correct no, we have not. Um, okay. Not so, yet. <laughs> so, and you're from Milwaukee, Wisconsin? That's correct. Okay. And she is a part of that special class. I, so uh, my official to you, Jessica, is welcome to the fraternity. There are not many of us, are there, in the country? Mm, well, it seems that we're increasing in numbers. I know it. Your class was how many? 
Oh, for the class, the Just Leadership class, mm-hmm. 27, I believe. 27. Oh, so, don't quote me. No. Okay, that's okay. I think I, we were 26 or so. So tell me a little bit about Jessica, your background and your education. Well, so my background, um, I was raised by two individuals, my parents, who did not really know the love of Christ, who had a lot of bondage in their life, um, alcoholism, there's domestic violence, there was um, depression, and um, so I grew up in that type of environment. I always enjoyed school. School was kind of an escape for me, um, a place where I could really grow and strive. So um, I'm continuing my education now as an adult. I'm actually in graduate school to become a counselor. You, But to get into Just Leadership USA as a fellow, you needed to be incarcerated. So That is kind of, correct. So let me know or let us know, as simple or as simple or as elaborate as possible, what led you to incarceration and how much time did you do? And I assume that was in the state of Wisconsin, right? Yes, it was. So um, I had gotten married at a young age um, really quickly to a person that um, I really felt like we had kind of a shared um, traumatic childhood, more more or less. And um, he kind of was able to give a better voice to that than I was. It was something at the time that I still hadn't really talked about or dealt with. And so I went to the Air Force, um, and we ended up being married. Uh, It was actually a very abusive relationship. Um, I felt kind of stuck while I was in the military. Um, People had known what was going on, but it was really um, not spoke about. Um, So I finally made it home um, three and a half years after serving, and I was able to separate and divorce from my my husband at the time, and um, then I kind of went into um, drinking and as a means of coping, because I still wasn't speaking about the abuse, and um, actually, my ex-husband um, came back into my life. Um, I really was hoping for the best. Things didn't change. I actually, in a moment of intoxication, um, physically harmed him. Um, pretty badly. I don't want to like underestimate how bad that was. It was it was pretty much as bad as it could get. He nearly died. Thankfully, he did not. But um, I did nine years in prison mm-hmm. after that. Okay. And so mm-hmm. of the so the nine years uh, after release from the nine years in Wisconsin, how did you find just leadership? Well, actually, so while I was in prison, I was gathering a lot of resources of agencies that would help people when they came home. Mm -hmm. I really had looked back on my life and recognized, like, in hindsight, the errors of my ways as far as, like, not reaching out and letting people know what was going on in my marriage, um, not reaching out after the divorce to get support and help. So I really wanted to have a support network, and I knew how important that was. So I actually had wrote to Wisdom a couple times while I was in, and I knew of an agency project return, and they all happened to be in the same building, which was really convenient. And so I got to meet Mark Rice, who was in Expo at the time, and um, he introduced me to Just Leadership. Yep. So. Yeah. I, yeah, I had a chance to, obviously I know Mark because I, well, not obviously, but I do know Mark. We were back in Milwaukee a couple times, and now uh, he's gotten promoted. He's on the staff. 
uh, of Just Leadership National. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So He's that's doing great things. Good deal. Mm-hmm. So you did you apply and get in the first time or? So I went to the Emerging Leaders, Mm -hmm. which um, Mark had also recommended, and um, when I went there, you know, I had already, I'd been out hmm, probably like less than six months at the time, and I kind of was just back into like starting school um, and working, and I kind of, honestly, when I look back, I was starting to go into an isolation almost again, Mm -hmm. because when I came home, I was very excited to be free, and I would tell just about anyone about that. But when I started working, it was, um, you know, employers understandably don't really want you talking about that, which I understand, because there can be ramifications or implications for them um, as far as people's judgments may go. Mm -hmm. So I... um, was at the Emerging Leaders and, you know, was able to give voice to some of my experiences. And it, you know, David Mensa had said, like, you know, it looks like someone is uncaged in here. <laughs> and so, and that's how I had felt again, because honestly, when you come home, it can kind of be isolating if you don't have, even when you have a support system, which I have an amazing support system, just talking about like incarceration and not having people who've necessarily experienced that can be challenging. Absolutely. But David picked up on that with you? Yes, he did. Okay. For those of listening to us, David is the he is the executive coach and kind of the facilitator for not only the emerging leadership workshops with Just Leadership USA, but for the year long process that Jessica went through and he's a truly remarkable man that I, I've talked about on the air here. And uh, I was hopeful when I know when I started I was hopeful that um, he would end up a friend of mine, and he, he's, a, he's just an a, a unbelievably nice man and really changed my life. So uh, it's real powerful. So he saw that in you, and then you applied and got in the first year. Is that true? Um, it was, in yes, for the 2019. And so I hadn't even been home two years, and I was able to get in. That's so great. it was really remarkable, well, congratulations. and I was very grateful. Congratulations Thank for you. that, because I know that... Um, when we started to get our funding for a lot of our expansion here, uh, they gave us some money, and the person who gave us the money said, "I need you to do something for me, Mark." And it's to go to this emerging leaders thing. And I went to Chicago, I went in Chicago at uh, the end of the year in 2016, and uh, I knew everybody was scrambling to get in that fellowship. And I thought, for me, it was powerful to be in a room with the University of Chicago, was where we were. And uh, 45 people had all been incarcerated, all had the same experience that I had, all had more horrific stories probably than mine. And it, there was an energy in the room that was very powerful. Was that the same for you? Yes. I, when I first went and we all had to share our stories within four minutes, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember the way I described it, it was like feeling like going into the depths of despair with people and then like being set on wings of hope and triumph in all that they were doing now in the community. Yep, I, uh, it was, um, yeah, it was just very powerful. Uh, it was a great experience for me. And I know that I kind of, I didn't, well, they had just the deadline was weeks away after I left, so I applied the next year, and I was fortunate enough to get in the next year. But uh, you should be congratulated on going right from that to it. That not everybody gets that, I guess. Uh, so congratulations. 
I, I kind of yes. I watch social media wise who was in there, and you seem to be one of the class of twenty seven that was shining in terms of your involvement. So uh, I mean that as a compliment. So that's pretty cool. I think the best thing about it for me was it did give me that platform to have a voice and to really speak about some of the more difficult things I was experiencing because I think that there's like a shared bond you have like through experiences of suffering. Mm -hmm. Like even though I hadn't been locked up with any of the individuals that were at the training, us just having that shared experience gave me a level of comfort that I don't always find. Right. I think, um, you know, it's, a, it's what I, I likened it, um, don't hold this against me, but I was in a fraternity. It's kind of like that pledge class kind of thing that we went through. I know that the 30 guys I went through in that pledge class, I won't always, can't remember all their names, but I know that there was a bond there. It was probably like going through basic training for you, wasn't it, in terms of that similar kind of? Yes. Case? Yeah. It was very similar to that, actually. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking so nationally, too. For me, I'm, I'm like, I'm the only one from Idaho, and I think it's you and Mark are the only ones from Wisconsin. But it, and you'll find over time that it that everywhere you go, you can find people, and you'll be able to link up with them because of that common training that you went through. Uh, if you haven't found that out yet, I've found that out, and that's one of the greatest things about it. So. Yes, it is having like a national support network coming yes. home from prison, which yeah. was, was beyond my dream, honestly. Fantastic. And you can almost call on anybody to do anything, and they respond. And it doesn't matter where they are in the country. It's really possible. Right. So I remember just telling you, too, how I knew how important a support system was. Well, I thought it would be a little more local. So, yeah, I, um, I kind of did, too. To the Lord had definitely expanded that territory, so I give him all the glory, honor, and praise for that. Well, that's, that's good, because you're talking to me on a Christian radio station, so you're able to do that as much as you want to here. Um, the, um, tell me about the Christian counseling, the stuff that you're pursuing. And, and uh, it seems like a logical choice from talking to you the few times I have and watching you as you present yourself in social media. Why that option, and how is that working for you? So Christian counseling, um, I really enjoy being able to have hearts to hearts with people. And I really totally value people's stories and their journeys and where they've been. Um, I think that I'm inspired every day as like my clients share, you know, the different experiences that they've gone through. And I think oftentimes that people don't realize like how much strength truly is within them. And I believe that that strength comes from the Holy Spirit and dwelling in that person. So Christian counseling really is the best option for me in, in that aligning with my beliefs as well. Do you find, do you find that um, in the community of returning citizens, let's say, is that a, a viable option or are they looking for more of a secular clinical approach or do you have any insights as to whether I, I, I'm wondering what people will gravitate towards you because of that, or will they draw a line for you because of that? Or does that matter? Was that as a returning citizen, did you say? Yeah, as a returning citizen. Well, I have had people want to have me as a therapist um, because of my incarceration experience, and then those people also know that I'm Christian, too. So, I honestly, I probably won't hear the ones that wouldn't choose me in spite (laughs) of that. But... um, for me, it's not, it's not that it would 
only be Christian counseling necessarily, but it is where I feel like the most joy and the most in my element. I also believe it's important to support people wherever they are on the journey, but ultimately, you know, my hope as a Christian is for people to experience that relationship with the Lord, because ultimately that's what changed my life. Well, and that almost is what we're supposed to do according to the gospel, and that's to be that example. I understand that. I just, it seems like uh, when you get to Idaho, when you visit Idaho, let's say, because I hope you will, (laughs) uh, you'll see that the office I run is we refer to it as God's house. So because there are, I'm adjacent to a Department of Corrections office, uh, there are other places who do secular sorts of uh, approaches to addiction, but everything that happens in my agency is is Christian-based. And so, and just, I, I, every once in a while I look at people, because we try to get everybody that gets out of incarceration to come to our office first. Mm-hmm. And basically when they're panicked and they need something, you know, the question will come up, well, uh, where do you where are you on a spiritual scale? And they go, oh, I just I'm this this and this. And if it's mm-hmm. something negative towards any Christianity, you'll find that that's the lack of the sense of community that they really need, and um, and that they just don't quite see yet. Because that's where I, I strongly believe to survive on parole, you need that relationship. You need that direct link to a relationship with Jesus Christ to survive what everything in the world is going to throw at you. And um, for people just to quickly walk away from it. You see it, but I, we yeah. always try to leave the door open saying, look, hey, we're here every day, Monday through Friday, 9 to 12, you get jammed up, come back, you know, but I would try, I always, we try to encourage people to find that sense of community, whatever that is for you. But if you need a ride to church or something, or you want to come to one of my groups, which is certainly Christian-based on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, uh, we'll do that. So, mm-hmm. But I'm surprised how many people absolutely will I think, walk totally away from it because they've just gotten out, they're ready to go, and they're ready to go with their life. Uh, yeah. Too often those guys end up back in the system, guys and gals, because both people come to my office. So. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. So tell me about dreams. Tell me about Wisconsin. What's going to happen in Wisconsin for you in the future? What are you going to do there? Oh. Wisconsin. Um, so, I, you know, I've always had a passion for um, really people that were oppressed um, ever since I was a child. So I believe that that was something that God had placed inside of me, too. Um, but I think that there is so much opportunity for growth in Wisconsin. Um, you know, when I came home from prison, it seemed like Wisconsin actually had gotten more segregated. Um, it's there's just a lot more, a uh, lot less resources for a lot more people. And um, what I really want to do is I want to create, like, healing communities, kind of like how Just Leadership, you know, provided that safe place for me to be able to talk about the really hard things in my life and receive that, like, um, non-judgmental, like, acceptance. Mm-hmm. I, I really would like to do that here in some of the more impoverished and crime-ridden communities. Um, I think that so often, like, things are dealt with, um, even in my own case, like, handled in violence, when it really becomes a matter of, like, how to communicate, having healthy boundaries, like, things, unfortunately, that we don't learn growing up, necessarily. Um, I just think that it's really important to be the hands and feet of Jesus in these communities. 
to really show that love and that acceptance of, you know, this is a, a life of first we get saved and then it's a life of, you know, becoming consecrated to the Lord. And so we, we all need to support one another along that process and that journey. I think that's uh, well said. It's almost hard to top that. So I think you'll be successful with that. I know that uh, there's a there's a person in Green Bay that I know that's doing good work there, and I think we'll connect you up. And I've also given your name to an associate of ours uh, who I think will reach out to you in Milwaukee proper. So maybe I hope those connections prove fruitful to you. I think you'd be a great asset to the work they're doing because you and I, as people who are incarcerated, our voice needs to be dominant in how we change those things. So I wish you certainly strong success with that. And I'm going uh, next, I think I told you off air that I'm going to go see another friend of Mutual. I think she's uh, learning with a uh, uh, 2006 graduate fellow, uh, Carolee Nelson. So we'll do a shout out to her. I get to see her next week in, um, in Reading. So I'm looking forward to that and I will pass on your thoughts too because you and I, uh, the three of us are really a uh, we seem to be the stronger people who voice our beliefs in that organization, and I congratulate you for doing that. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I just was thinking as you guys meet that iron will sharpen iron. So, You know, I'll tell you, that's, um, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I think we've started a good relationship, and we'll certainly connect in the future. Thank you so much for doing this for me today. Thank you, Mark, so much for having me. It's an honor and a privilege. Okay. Through Jesus, there's victory. All the chains that were holding me kept me locked in captivity. Have been broken by grace so free. When he poured out his cleansing blood, motivated by his great love. Give me faith, I need to rise above And sing a song of how I've overcome I've got victory over sin Bringing peace to the fight within Give me strength, I need to start again I've got victory over sin He gives me victory Well, as you can see, I get, I'm get i lucky to get to talk to kind of people like that. That's positive. So you're listening to me in the desert out there. This is what's happening to somebody that can, if you look in my booklet that's out there, there's, a, there's an application for Just Leadership USA. Fill that out. Send it in. It's free, and they'll keep you updated. If you want to get in touch with me about anything we said today, I'm easy to reach, www.systemicchangeofid.com. You can send me an email at systemicchangeofidaho, all spelled out, at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. You can even call me on the telephone. Area code 208-477-1006. Look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.